Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Glad you're with us this morning at Summit. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name is Bron Brown, and uh, I've had the pleasure of being on staff here at Watermark for the last 18 years, and I uh, had the pleasure of leading our student ministry for 17 of those years, now work with single adults and single parent families, and just excited to be with you guys this morning, excited to jump into First Kings with you. I know you guys have been, uh, just kidding, I wanted to see how many people reacted there like, oh man, I did the wrong homework. Huh? Um, hey, uh, I really am excited to share with you, uh, I think they picked this passage for student ministry guys, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about Ehud, and, and you guys probably read some of that this week, but uh, let me start with this story. How many of you all, when you think of great left-handed hitters in baseball. Okay, you think of some of the greats, like, like Babe Ruth. Okay, you're going to think he, the great left-handed hitter, Babe Ruth. You might think uh, more recently of Tony Gwynn or Ken Griffey Jr. or uh, Barry Bonds with an asterisk. Okay, of course. Um, but you, you think of these great left-handed hitters, and, and you may not know about one of the greatest left-handed hitters uh, in the history of the game was in my neighborhood growing up. His name was Judd. Okay, and Judd was in my neighborhood, and Judd was about four years older than me, and we would play baseball. We used to play baseball outside, okay? It's a weird thing. We didn't have headsets on and controllers and remotes and that kind of thing. We, we actually played outside when we were kids. You all remember that. And uh, we would play in the backyard of my friend John's house, and he had this big hill in the backyard and the house behind him, and we'd pitch towards the house because we didn't want to crank one into the house. He hoped you didn't get a foul ball. And one day, Judd decided to come play baseball with these younger guys and, I guess, show us up. And Judd was chiseled out of granite. I mean, he was a big old boy. And I'm playing first base, and I was not a great baseball player. Basketball was more my thing. Uh, baseball wasn't. And I'm on first base there, and, and we throw those meatballs in there, and Judd just laces one right towards my forehead. And I'm standing there, you know, and, and I just remember going... And the ball just hits me right in the forehead. And I kind of did this. I saw the, the birds and the stars. And I fell to my knees. And, I, and, I, and then I think my glove went up. I was like, about 10 <laughs> seconds later. And he just laced that ball right towards my head. And I thought, man, I think I've got Rawlings imprinted on my forehead. And so left-handed, it was a great thing when you were playing baseball. Left-handed is a great thing when you are playing basketball when you can be around the basket and use your left hand and you can use that, you know, if you can use both hands, that's a great thing. But as you probably noticed in the scripture this week, left-handed, when we talk about Ehud, was not a great thing. In fact, it was considered a handicap or an impairment back in biblical times. They would say, man, to be left-handed, you don't need to worry about that guy. He's, he's not going to bring a whole lot to the party. And so I was thinking about this idea of, of our left-handedness. All of us in here have left-handedness. We have weaknesses or handicaps or things that we might go, man, uh, this is kind of my deal, man. I'm not real good at this or this isn't my strength. And I was thinking about just being kind of vulnerable with you guys today. I wrote down some of mine. I can be a guy. I want to be the guy that lets everything roll off me. Okay, I just want to be the guy that handles every you know, problem that comes up in my family. No problem, we got this. Here's wisdom that speaks for that. We're in Proverbs, let me give you a proverb. I, I want to be that guy, but the reality is many days I'm fearful and I can be afraid. And so I have to, I have to pray, Lord, Lord, give me strength, give me courage, give me uh, the ability to trust you. I can be 
I want to be also that guy that's not sensitive when, other, when things come up. I can be a people pleaser. I can be sensitive. So one of my left-handedness can be being too sensitive to what people say or that kind of thing. So don't write me how bad this message is. I might, you know, start sucking my thumb and cry. Um, so, uh, but I want to be that guy. You know, you look on social media and you see everybody else and you go, man, that guy looks like he's got it all together. Look at that great vacation. His family's doing awesome. When they, when he gets home, they sit around at the table and they just talk about how great God's word is. And, and they talk to their kids and they're doing devotionals all the time. And we think of others that way. But the reality is we all have our own left-handedness, our own handicaps. I, I thought maybe some, for you guys, uh, some of you might go, man, I'm just not a good communicator, man, with my wife, with, at work. I'm, um, maybe you go, I don't, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Okay, other guys, when I'm around them, I'm intimidated. They, they have quick answers to stuff. They can think on their feet really quick. And so it's another one of my left-handed things. Maybe you didn't have a good example of a dad growing up. And you're being a father right now, and you're going, golly, I, I'm, my left hand is my handicaps. I have no idea what I'm doing being a dad. And I'll let you in a little secret. That's where all of us are in some ways. We're trying to figure it out. we got to walk with Jesus. But that's your left-handedness. Maybe um, you get overwhelmed easily. You want to look the part. You want to say, man, I, I just handle everything that comes my way at work. But the reality is, you go, man, I get overwhelmed, and I get irritable, and I get impatient, and that might be some of the things that you're dealing with. See, here's what I think. I think God wants to use the most unlikely of folks to accomplish his plans, and that includes you and me. He wants to use us. He wants to use us like he did Ehud, who was a handicapped left-handed man. And so what I, I think about in a room this size I think there's many of us that we're so consumed with our handicap or our left-handedness that uh, we are not trusting the Lord to work in and through us. And it's time for us, as we're thinking about this this morning, it's time for us to get our eyes off of our handicap or our shortcomings and ask the Lord to say, Lord, I want to trust you. I believe you want to work through me. You might even want to use me as a deliverer to others, just like he did Ehud. So let's jump in this passage in Judges 3. Um, and you guys know, I'm sure Joey and Blake talked to you about these, these cycles of sin that were going on in Judges. And there was a similar thing happening here. It says, and the people of Israel, again, again, it's a key word to circle, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. This is verse uh, 12, chapter 3. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He gathered to himself the Ammonites and the Malachites and went and defeated Israel, and they took possession of the city of the Palms, and the people of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, for 18 years. And then verse 15, then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. Notice how it points that out. And the people of Israel sent tribute to by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. So you see, this is that cycle happening again. God is blessing his people, and then all of a sudden they begin to be content with who they are, and they forget the Lord, and they begin to worship other gods. They start chasing other things, and they start suffering the consequences. You ever been in that situation? God's blessing, you forget him, 
You start running on your own strength. You think, I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to just keep doing this on my own. I don't need the Lord. And then when crisis comes, what do we do? We cry out to the Lord. And so that's what's happening here again. Ehud is, is the deliverer that God is going to bring. So here's what I want us to think about this morning. What can we learn from Ehud's story? See, the, the thing that I love about this is it says that God raises up a deliverer. It doesn't say that Ehud and all of his strength goes, hey guys, I'm your man. I'm gonna come take over. And it says God raises him up. And, and isn't that the way God works throughout the scripture? You, you look at Moses who was not smooth of tongue, a stutterer, and he was the one that got his mouthpiece to go to Pharaoh. Okay, you think about uh, the disciples, and look at uh, 4.13 of Acts here. Uh, the disciples, they, said, they were, as you see here, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. It reminded me, God used simple people, fishermen. He used despised people like tax collectors. And I think he wants to use you and me. And, and what the key to this verse for me is, is they took note that they'd been with Jesus. Their strength and their boldness came because of their relationship with Christ. And that's where our strength comes from. We don't have to concentrate on all our handicaps. We can trust in him. So I was thinking about, here's the temptation for us is we want to be a warrior that is, we want to be a warrior that is the big, strong guy. We want to be gladiator, don't we? I mean, I want to be gladiator. I watch that dude and I go, man, if that guy came out and I was having to battle some of those guys, I think I'd have run back out of the arena, okay? And then you think, I want to be, uh, you want to be William Wallace in Braveheart. You want to be the guy that goes and leads that way. And so recently, uh, in, the, in the past years, I work with our institute program and we were interviewing a guy, and he was a former Navy SEAL, okay? And he tells his story, and he's sharing all these amazing stories that he was in he's, you know, this battle and, and some dark things that he went through and these tough things. And he finished, and I looked at him, and I said, man, I was listening to your story, and it was like you and I have the almost the identical same life. <laughs> and he looked bewildered at me. He was like, Seriously? And I said, no, it's nothing like that. I was thinking about him. He's a, a Navy SEAL. I sang in the quartet, okay? Um, uh, he had muscles. I'm an elliptical guy, okay? My, don't mock it. I'm still working that elliptical. My son calls me Captain Elliptical in a mocking way. Um, he, I, uh, he swam miles, I'm sure, in the coldest water, if you've seen shows on that. And I, my arm cramped up stirring mac and cheese last week. That's a true story. So the reality is we want to be Rambo, right? We want to be Rambo. We want to get lowered in on the helicopter, kick tail, and get out of there. And by the way, on a side note, if anybody knows Sylvester Stallone or has any connection, could you tell them it's over? I mean, we don't need to have any more Rambo movies. That should be called Grambo. That would be a better name for that movie. Somebody needs to call him and tell him. Um, but that's what we want to do. We want to go in, kick tail. And the reality is, is that when we do that, when we try to be that warrior, instead of trusting in the strength of the Lord, that God is raising us up, being with Jesus, that's where we miss it. I don't have this verse up here this morning, but Jeremiah 17, 5 is one of my, 5 through 8 is one of my favorite sections of scripture because it says, cursed is the one who trusts in man, okay, who trusts in his own strength. 
but blessed is the one whose trust is in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He plants himself near streams of living water. He, it, is a, it is this place of strength when we rely on the Lord and we trust that he's sending us. So if you, if you read in Judges 3 this week, you see what, what happens with Ehud, and you, you saw that he, he makes the sword, right? And he puts it in his right thigh, which was very unexpected, and he was not a threat to Eglon, and so he got to have this uh, time with the king by himself. They were like, what's this guy going to do? Okay, and I love what it says. He goes into Eglon there, and he says, I've got a message from God for you. And boy, did he have a message, okay, if you read that. He, he had a message from God. It reminds me of, I couldn't help, I'm a Star Wars guy. Anybody else like Star Wars in here? Okay, there's three of us. That'll be fun to talk about. Um, so if, you, if you've watched it, I, when, I, when I thought about Eglon, it says he was a heavy set dude, and so this is the guy that I thought of. And that's just the way I think. And I, I remember in the movie when Luke comes in, and I love the way Luke's just calm, cool, and collected. And he walks in, and that guy comes up, and he's like, you can't come see Jabba. And he was like, you will take me to Jabba. And he goes, I'll take you to Jabba. And he goes over there, you know. And he goes up in front of Jabba, and he says, he goes, you will, re he goes, you will return to me, Captain Solo, and you'll be compensated generously, or you will die. And Jabba's up there going, ho, 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 Jabba won't Yeah, you know, he does that whole thing. And, and so Jabba's in his place, and here comes Luke telling him, Hey, I'm getting ready to, I've got a message for you. Now, his message, his higher power was the force. That's a whole other messed up thing. But in our case, we, what was happening with Ehud here is he was going, I got a message from God because he was God's man. And he went in there in the strength of the Lord. And you guys know this was a perfect story for a former student ministry guy, right? Because you got this guy, he, he takes his sword out, he sticks it into Eglon, and the whole sword gets engulfed in this guy's fat. Okay, this guy had had a few too many donuts, okay? And he goes in there, and then it says, of all things, he poops himself, basically, okay? The dung comes out, okay? That's a great guy story here, okay? We can all laugh at that. We don't, we don't want to because we're too mature, but... Uh, so it goes, it goes in there, and, and, he's, and it's this heroic act. It doesn't have everything you'd want. It's a heroic act. This guy's this big, he poops himself, and you're going, this is this, this is this... We love reading those kind of stories, but we have to remember all along here, what Ehud does is he talks about, it says how God raised him up. He said, I have a message from God for you, and you're going to see how the Lord works. And here's my question. We don't have a ton of time this morning, so I wanted you to think about what is going to be your Ehud moment this week? What's going to be uh, the moment this week or next week, or what's been some opportunities that you've had to be God's man recently? I was thinking about maybe some of you at work, you are going to be someone that uh, when it comes to conflict, you're someone that handles it differently. When you're at work, you are someone who walks in the spirit. You're staying in step with the spirit. You're someone who uh, is kind to others. You're a deliverer of kindness at your work that people go, man, everybody else talks about everybody. They, they get fired up at each other, just a bunch of angry people at my job. And when I'm around you, you seem to bring peace. So that could be one of your moments. Maybe, maybe it's a deal at work that you are choosing not to compromise with. You're going to be a man of integrity. You, it, would, it would suit you well to do whatever that deal is, but in your heart, uh, you're convicted. You go, man, I, I don't think that's the way I should go. I think that lacks integrity. That would be dishonest. I don't want to be a man who goes after dishonest gain. 
And so you're gonna, your Ehud moment there is to say, I'm gonna be a deliverer of truth. I'm gonna walk in truth. Maybe it's with your family. Um, I think about with, with your family. Maybe it's that you, with your kids, need to be someone who models what it looks like to ask forgiveness. Maybe that's your Ehud moment. You're gonna be a deliverer. You're gonna of going, hey, what, when a, a godly man does someone wrong, he asks forgiveness. I grew up in a home where we didn't ever ask forgiveness. We just kind of forgot about it, but we didn't really forget about it. And so it made our relationships hard as they went on and, you know, bitterness kind of crept in there. But I didn't have anybody model for me, hey, when you do somebody wrong, you go up and you do this thing called, hey, will you forgive me for the way I treated you? I have to do that with my sons all the time. I have to I say, hey, that was not God's best. Will you forgive me for the way I talked to you today? I was angry, and I didn't need to get that fired up about it. So maybe that's where you're going to have an Ehud moment in your family. I've, uh, it may be that you're calling your kids to be a person or a young man or a young woman who believes in God's word, who would say that I've heard one dad say about his family, he said, hey, we've told our kids from the beginning that we are going to model our lives after, after the scripture when God's word says that we are going to do what it says. And when we don't, we'll own it. And maybe that's the way you're going to be delivered. Do you realize the, the deliverance of, of, of life that you're going to give your kids if they see you running hard after Christ, if they see you taking his word seriously, that they see you being not just merely a hearer of his word, but a doer of his word? That's going to bring life to your family. My son recently, uh, he plays on a high school team around here, and there was a tradition that happened uh, with this team that's been happening for 20 plus years, and, and uh, my son took part in this tradition for younger players, and the next day, the coaches brought all the team in, and they were fired up, and they were like, I can't believe you guys did this, and my son was caught off guard, and he said, we don't know who did it, and we got to find out who did it, and, and uh, the, so my son's sitting there going, oh, you know, he's, he's sitting there. So that day he comes home and I, he walks in the house and I could tell he was heavy hearted. And I just said, hey, what's going on? And he goes, I need to tell you something. And so he tells me the story. Hey, this is what we've always done. And he said, I didn't think there was any problem with it, but the coaches were really fired up. And I'm sitting there going, I'm just looking at him. And I said, what do you think you need to do? And he goes, oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and... Um, and he said, he goes, hey, if I go talk to the coach, I'll be the only one who will do it. I'll be the only guy who will say it. And you realize what could happen to me? I could lose my starting position. I could, there could be lots of consequences. And I, and I looked at him and I just said, I just said, man, I, I wish there was another way. But let me tell you, I think this is your opportunity to honor Christ. And he picks up his phone, and he's, he's messing with his phone, and we keep talking. And uh, we're, a few minutes later, I said, hey, I really think this is the right thing to do. This is going to honor the Lord. And no matter what the consequences are, you're willing to be God's man. And uh, he said, I've already texted the coach. He goes, I'll, I'll meet with him tomorrow morning. Okay. And so maybe that's what you have an opportunity to do. Uh, us teaching our kids those kind of life lessons, say, wait a minute. No one else is going to do that. Hey, hey, do you realize what could happen if I do the right thing here? And you say, yes. And so you're a deliverer of truth. 
to your kids. And so I, I, here's my prayer for us, that we would see this, this guy Ehud with, who was left-handed, handicapped guy, but who trusted the Lord and was God's man. And so my question for you is, where do you need to trust the Lord? Where do you want to see the Lord use you to be a deliverer of others, your family, your coworkers, uh, whoever? Because I think there's opportunities all around us. When I was reading this, I couldn't help but think about what happens with Ehud here at the end and how this ties in uh, to our Savior. But look at verses 27 through 30 now. And when he arrived, he sounded the trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim. And then the people of Israel went down with him from the hill country, and he was their leader. And he said to them, follow after me, for the Lord has given your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. But you love how even in that, he could have said, hey, God, man, I kicked some tail, and uh, we're ready to go. But he said, hey, the Lord has given the enemies into our hands. It isn't about me. It was his strength. He is quick to give the Lord credit. So they went down after him and seized the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites and did not allow anyone to pass over. And they killed at that time about 10,000 of the Moabites, all strong, able-bodied men. Not a man escaped. And then it says, So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. Isn't that amazing? So because God raises up this left-handed man, Ehud, and he used him, he brings rest to his people. He's the deliverer of his people. And it made me think about Ehud and about Christ. He was a type of Christ in the Old Testament. He was pointing us to the one who would be the ultimate deliverer. Ehud was a temporary deliverer. 80 years was a long time. 18 years, they were under oppression of this king. And for 80 years, God gave them peace. But again, what happens? The people began to rely on their own strength. They began to go their own way. They began to worship idols. And they started suffering the consequences again. Isn't that you and me? Don't we want to do that? The Lord, and we forget the Lord our God. We forget that he's taken us out of slavery of sin. And we're going, where are you? And, he, and it was just last week that he was at work in your life. But now there's a new challenge and you're going, and you're trying to muster the strength on your own. That's my story. And so what I was thinking about with Jesus is, is what the way that the scripture in Isaiah describes him, the one that was to come. And listen to Isaiah 53, 2. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. And he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Isn't that amazing? This is the son of God. And that was part of the problem why the people couldn't see the Messiah because they expected a warrior. They expected to come in, someone to come in and kick tail and God's plan was different and he came in a way that only God could write it. And he took someone who was despised and rejected. He took someone who didn't look the part and here's what he did for you and me. Because of his death on the cross and his resurrection, he has given us peace. He has delivered us for eternity, for those of us who put our trust in him. The ultimate deliverer has come. And so let's thank the Lord for that this morning. Father, thank you.
for your grace and for your love for us. Thank you for the way that you take stutterers and ordinary unschooled men. You take handicapped folks. We all have them, Lord. We all have our struggles. We all have our weaknesses. We all, would you help us to get our eyes off of all of the ways that we fall short and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith? I pray for any man here today that is feeling overwhelmed or feel, feeling fearful or, uh, Lord, struggling with some sin that is owning him. Would you set him free? Would you help him? Would you help me to run to the cross again today and, and to operate today, not in our own strength, because cursed is the one who trusts in his own strength, but blessed is the one whose trust is in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. And we thank you for Jesus most of all in Christ's name. Amen.